as we uh, identify and actually speak and call upon the very name of our God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we stand in honor, in reverence, in love, in worship. How good it is to again gather and worship the one and only true God. You may be seated. God's grace and his mercy, his love be and abide with each of you in the name of the one who is Jesus Christ, the light of the world, the very light of our lives. You know, I am one of those people that uh, I particularly discovered this uh, when we were living in St. Louis and, and a little bit even uh, uh, when we were in Nashville. I do not like the darkness of winter. When we were in St. Louis, uh, it seemed to be getting dark at times around 4.30. And uh, Nashville wasn't a whole lot different. But even here this morning, the sun didn't come up till 7.15. And it's, you know, down, you know, around uh, 5.30 or so. I'm one of those, I thrive in the light. But that's uh, nothing compared to what the people of Barrow, Alaska experience. There, uh, at that northernmost city, you know, uh, there, uh, north or above the Arctic Circle, you know, it's nothing like the lower 48. Because for two months, two straight months, the sun does not rise. They live in darkness. Until January 24th. Just uh, this weekend, on Friday, and it is said that in that city of some 4,000 people, that on that day, when the sun finally, at least for a few moments, and that's about all it is, comes over the horizon, the people go outside and they celebrate. Well, my dear friends, today we are continuing to explore and uh, to celebrate an even greater and a different light. A light that shines into the darkness of our lives, our sin, our brokenness, our sickness, our hurt, our sorrows. Whatever it may be, we are gathering in this season of Epiphany and we are celebrating the one who is the light. That light that shines bright. But I wonder, actually, how many of you, when, you know, the scripture was just being read here, you know, from Isaiah, and you were, like, maybe nudging your spouse next to you or thinking, now, wait a minute, isn't this, you know, readings from Advent and Christmas, isn't this about, you know, the prophecy of Jesus coming? You know, did the people in the booth make a, an error? Did they put up the wrong scripture? And the answer is no. The scripture is tied in uh, with this Sunday for a very specific reason, or at least I'd like to narrow it down to such, and that is to again help us to focus in on and see the connection between the prophecy of what the Lord said would happen and who would come and what he would be, the one who came in that very time of darkness and how that light shined then and how he is still shining into the darkness of our lives and our world today. There is this wonderful connection that the Lord 
wants us to take hold of today. The reason is this, because things haven't really changed. There is still great darkness. There is, if you use the words from our, our reading out of Isaiah, there is gloom, there is distress, there is darkness. People in the time of Isaiah struggling to some extent, you know, in the midst of, you know, exile or coming back or go ahead and run ahead to Jesus' time doesn't look a lot brighter, does it? The people that Jesus came to be with, you know, they saw that indeed they were living in the darkness under the rule of the Romans. And if that wasn't enough to have the outsiders there, they at times had to deal with the reality of their own leaders who controlled them and held them down, who pushed them into darkness. Indeed, we live in a day as well where there is great reason to recognize and see and, and deal with what we would call darkness. Life is harsh. Life is, at times, difficult. It was for them, and let's be honest, it is in this world as well. We may have many more comforts but it doesn't take long for something to set things askew and suddenly to realize how little control we have, how dark and how real sin is as it confronts us in our lives through sickness, through brokenness, through hurt, through disappointment, through death. It is very real. You know, unlike uh, those in uh, Isaiah's day, unlike those in Jesus' day, you and I, we have many more freedoms protected by our Constitution and by laws, but the truth is, even those today are being constrained, are they not? As we try to live in that light, as we try to, you know, even share that light, we are told that we can't talk about our faith or pray in certain places. And, and if they're not coming at that, at that directly at us, well, they'll at least do it this way. But to do so is being intolerant. To do so is being unloving. To do so is to you know, be inconsiderate. And at least it's unwelcome. It is a truth. And if maybe you and I haven't encountered it lately, then maybe... We may ask, are we somehow hiding that light under a bushel? And this is showing up in other places as well. How about cities like Houston that, you know, uh, implemented a, you know, ordinance where, you know, churches, pastors, congregations were literally told what they could not address. Now, that one, you know, got, you know, rescinded, but they're not the first city and they're not the last city. How about here in Florida? There is a, a couple of cities right now that are hindering churches on their own property, even places where they already have facilities from building new facilities. Or saying you can't build in that location when they've just bought the property. 
You might read about the way the church is persecuted, you know, in places like Iran, in places like China, uh, and elsewhere, but please recognize there is darkness and persecution right here. At times it seems that protecting the rights of some minority is more important than the majority or more important than standing upon the founding values and principles of our Constitution. And we live in a day when freedom from religion seems to be the way of interpretation of our Constitution rather than freedom to exercise religion. Darkness. Today people experience darkness because of life's pressures on a more personal level, because of the consequences of decisions made or things done both that we bring on ourselves and that others can bring upon us as well. Yes, like the people before us, there is a very real need for the light to shine. Today, people experience darkness in all sorts of ways. And so it is in this epiphany season that we celebrate not only God's promise that he would send that one who would come to be the light of the world to shine into the darkness of our sin and our world, but that we have the one who has come and the one who we celebrate today is indeed still here. Indeed, we celebrate. Listen to verse 2 and 4 from our reading. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. So what happened? What changed the circumstances what began to, you know, dispel the darkness uh, that Isaiah was, you know, talking about and the people were living in? Well, verse 6 gives us the answer. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Friends, these words that many of you probably know by heart, these are more than you know, a, a sentimental message of Christmas. This is the rock-solid reality of what truly happened and the very nature of our Savior that cast out darkness, gloom, and distress. You may be suffering or pressed on every side, but know this with certainty. He is wonderful counselor. You may be facing some situation or some decision and, and you're at your wit's end. You, you don't know the answer and yet you have this one who is that wonderful counselor who is able to guide you, direct you, and lead you in whatever way is right. And he will not fail you. He is this mighty God, and, and, and this year, as I was reading this on, on a number of occasions, 
I kept finding myself always adding the letters A-L to this name for our Savior. Almighty God. That he doesn't just have some power, he doesn't just have some ability, but that this mighty God is almighty. He is able to deal with whatever circumstance, whatever darkness, whatever sin, whatever gloom, whatever distress may be upon us. And he is this everlasting father. Everlasting. Unfailing. Always there. Always faithful. He is that Emmanuel God. He is indeed the one who will not forsake us nor leave us. Everlasting. And in the midst of the darkness and in the midst of the gloom, Turn on the TV, look outside your door, and know that the peace that you and I are looking for can be found in no one else and nowhere else but in the one who is the Prince of Peace. The one who indeed brings comfort and hope and light into the midst of this darkness and despair. My friends, Jesus came and he fulfilled these promises of what he would do. His focus was upon, as we read in that gospel reading, preaching and calling and healing to address the needs of all people. I love this, you know, in a sense, summary of Jesus' life and ministry. We get right here at the beginning of his ministry here in chapter 4 of this gospel. Preaching. Calling, healing. Oh, how wonderful it is that he has come. My dear friends, today Jesus' word is still going out in worship. It is still going out through his living, written word that not only do we gather together around in this place, but daily you and I are given that privilege and that gift of that word as we open it and read it and he speaks to us and he shines into our lives in darkness. And indeed, through that word that is carried out by his people into the world. Preaching, calling, healing. In a few minutes you'll have the privilege of meeting a, a dear friend of mine, uh, Keith Logan. Uh, Keith is uh, the executive director of Trinity Hope. Keith and I, uh, he was a member of uh, our congregation there in Nashville, uh, and now for a number of years he has been the executive director of Trinity Hope, that feeding ministry in Haiti. Just turn on the TV or just Google Haiti and see what's going on. You and I cannot even imagine what the life is like for many of those who subsist on, you know, so little. We're not talking about just living in poverty like you and I see it around us where, where people still have cars and TVs and, and there is food on the table. We're talking about hoping to have enough just to feed and put a little bit of something in someone's stomach today. And then add to that corrupt, dark government. What happened to the billions of dollars that was given after the earthquake? 
in the midst of that, Trinity Hope, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, is bringing the light, is dispelling the darkness, is putting smiles on the faces of the children, is giving hope to the administrators and the teachers and the staff of the schools around the country where these children are fed and nursed and now able to learn and have a hope and know that this came from the body of Christ as they shined into their lives. Jesus, my friends, he is still calling people like each of us to follow him, to be his disciples, to experience his power, his love, his life. And he is still sending us out with this message to those who are living in darkness. But the truth is, as we look at our own lives, we may see darkness. And if not in our lives, we may see it in those who are living next door to us or down the street. We may doubt Jesus' presence and work when we look at this world, and yet if we would look at our own history and our own experience with the Lord, we would see otherwise. We would see the light that is present. For as it says in Hebrews 13, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He shined in the light of the world and in the lives of the people of Isaiah's day 700 years before Jesus came. He shined in the lives of the people of God when Jesus came, and he is still shining into lives of people like you and me today. Preaching, calling, healing. It's what Jesus is still doing today. So no matter how dark the world becomes, the light of Jesus will never stop shining for you. You know, when I told you about the people of Barrow, Alaska, and by the way, um, it's actually called by another name now, and I tried to pronounce it, and I couldn't. <laughs> it changed in 2016 to a name that is reflective of the uh, native uh, tribe of people who make up a majority of the population there. But you might uh, feel sorry for them as they deal with those two long months of no light. Did you know that, you know, beginning uh, on May 10th until August 2nd, for almost three months, the sun will not stop shining? It will not go down. My word to you is this, so it is for our souls. Once the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ rises in our lives, it will never stop shining. Sure, those circumstances, those dark things, those trials, those sorrows, they may arise, but the light will not stop shining and give us again hope. Spiritually, my friends, right now we live in what I would say is the land of the midnight sun. That's what they call that place, Barrow, Alaska. That when the sun never goes down, it's that land of the midnight sun where the sun will never go down on your lives or mine. And so may this epiphany season 
be for us a time when we see more clearly the glory of our Savior Jesus Christ. For arise and shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Amen.